Would you stand with me one more time? 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse number 14. Then went he down. This is talking about a, a Syrian, not a Jew. This is a, a Syrian general by the name of Naaman. I really messed that up in the earlier service today. The name of Naaman. Um, that's not easy to say. But you've got two principal characters here. You have Naaman and a prophet by the name of Elisha. So Naaman went down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan. According to the saying of the man of God, watch this, his flesh came again like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. He returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and came and stood before him, and he said, Behold, now I know there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. I pray thee, take a blessing I want to give you something. And he said, as the Lord liveth before whom I stand, I will receive none. He urged him to take it, but he refused. And Naaman said, shall there not then, I pray thee, be given to thy servant two mules burden of earth? For thy servant will henceforth offer neither burnt offering nor sacrifice unto other gods, but unto the Lord. I want to teach you about something about the power of having an altar wherever you are. God bless you. You may be seated. There are just so many times, of course, I, I don't know who said it. I've repeated it many times because I think it's appropriate. That the Old Testament conceals the New Testament. And the New Testament reveals the Old Testament. It's kind of like a flower that opens. And um, I think prophecies like that. I, I think there are, there are mysteries in prophecy that that the only time you're really going to know is when it buds. You can take a flower and you can tear it apart and <clears throat> all you're just going to have is green petals and a few pieces there. But if, with time, when the thing blooms and blossoms, and um, that, that's the way the Bible is. It, there are things that are given to us in the beginning in seed form. Uh, that's why it says in Isaiah 46 that he declared the end from the beginning. And uh, there are people that will tell you the, the Old Testament isn't relevant to us today. But that's not what the Bible teaches. It, it says that all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And it said we are built upon the foundation of the apostles in the New Testament and the prophets in the Old Testament. So... That, that we need them both. And um, there are just so many times in the Old Testament there are what are known as types, shadows. Uh, there, are, there are snapshots of, of things to come that are given to us in, in type form. And this is one of them. This, there's, uh, there's two prominent prophets here. You have a guy named Elijah and Elisha. And... Um, Elijah was, uh, had seven notable miracles in his ministry. And the last miracle in his ministry was when fire came down from heaven and took up the sacrifice and licked up all the water. And it was just an amazing display of the power of God. But right after that, uh, an old blowhard by the name of Jezebel who was the queen, said, I'm going to kill you. And even though this is the guy that called fire down from heaven, he was afraid. And um, there are lots of ways to explain this. I've had the privilege through my lifetime to know a couple men. They would never call themselves prophets, but I would. 
And I, I just have been around them when God used them in very, very, very powerful ways. But the next day, they were so depleted that they were just really, uh, they weren't fun to be around. And if you know your Bible, and it says Elijah was a man of like passions as we are. And uh, so he had ups and downs, and, and this is one of them. He uh, called fire down from heaven. Jezebel scared him, slapped to death. He goes and hides, feels sorry for himself. I'm the only one left. And, uh, and then it says he tore his garment. That's a big deal. Uh, years ago, I taught you something entitled The Luxury of Despair. It's the story of various people in the Bible who tore their garments and others who didn't. <clears throat> but if you study the instructions that were given to the priest, it says, you can't ever tear your garment. Don't you ever tear your garment. In fact, the priest had a particular garment, and it's a fascinating word. It's called habergeon. And uh, what it was, it was almost like a turtleneck sweater. But it was double reinforced so that God made sure that when that priest pulled that garment down over his head, he made sure that garment would never tear when he was getting dressed in his garments and his robes to officiate in the role of a priest. And Bible said that we are all kings and priests. And there's, there's going to be difficulties that come to all of us. But you, as a priest of the Most High God, you will never be afforded the privilege of tearing your garment. Because what you are saying is, this problem is bigger than my God. And he will not permit us to do that. To say that, that this is bigger than the Lord that I serve. You, you can't do that. When Elijah did that, the only thing left for him to do was to anoint his successor, which was Elisha. Elisha had 13 notable miracles in his life, and then he was buried. This is the guy that asked for a double portion of that which rested on his pastor. And there's a wonderful story about years later after Elisha had been buried that the soldiers had a friend that died from his wounds in battle and they couldn't carry him back home and they just opened up Elisha's tomb and threw the dead soldier in the tomb. And the Bible said that when that dead soldier hit the bones of Elisha, he came back to life. And he walked out of that tomb and said... I'll catch up with you boys, just hang on there, you know. It's a great story. So he did get 14 notable miracles. And uh, great, there's a scripture that being dead, they still speak, you know. And, and this is one of the, but, but what I've read to you is, is an amazing story of a nameless little girl, uh, POW. We have, we have no idea what her name was. This is a Syrian general. He has taken this girl hostage and captive in a battle, took her back home to be his servant and to be his slave. He gets leprosy. This little girl said, if you'd go back to my home, there's a man back there by the name of Elisha. If he prays for you, God would heal you. Naaman went to Elisha's house and uh, he said, I'd like to talk to you. It's really fascinating. Elisha doesn't even come downstairs. <laughs> he just basically yells down the steps, you need to go dip in Jordan seven times. And boy, was he offended. You know, this is a, a general. This is a man of substance and, and authority. And, and God never even took the time to come out and face me. He just yelled down the steps. He's gone his way back home, and that little girl said, now, if he'd asked you to do something great, you'd have done it. Why are you so arrogant and proud that you won't do what he said? So he humbled himself, and he went to Jordan, and he dipped seven times. 
It said when he came out, this is fascinating, he said his flesh was like a little child. And he was clean. <laughs> Did you ever have that experience? <laughs> you look like you're born again. And clean. It's a great picture of the new birth. And uh, I, I, we, you know, recently had just, just a real pow, bunch of baptisms. And I've just never seen anybody receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost or be baptized in water in the name of the Lord and come up out of there and go, Ooh, why did I ever let you talk me into that? That was horrible. I've never had that experience. Every time I, I just last week, just rubbing my hands through that wet hair of every one of those men and women just just, man, you look great. And they're just beaming and shining. And it's just, I mean, we do everything we can. We got wonderful garments for you to wear. The, the, the water's heated. I mean, we got a special ozone machine that makes things just one of the greatest detergents in nature is ozone. And that's what we use here to make sure this water is my grandmother, when they baptized my grandma Miney years ago, they chopped a hole in the higher river with a double-bitted axe. It blunted it so bad because the ice was so thick they had to turn the bit over, the bit of the, the flat axe over. Usually, they chopped a hole in the ice in the higher river, and she told me, Harold Eugene, I walked 18 blocks home, didn't change my clothes, and she said I was warm the whole way. Nothing. Nothing froze. It was an amazing story, but you don't have to do that here. We, uh, we got warm water and nice clothes, and we'll do everything you can. I just, I just, anyone, I'm sure my grandmother felt the very same way you felt when you were baptized last week. Just, I feel clean. Filled with the Holy Ghost. It's like I'm like a brand new child. It's an amazing, amazing event. And and, and I, I, <laughs> the, the next thing that he says is, there's, I, I had too many examples. I'll, I'll just give you one. You have a book in the Bible called Ruth. It's the story of a woman named Naomi and her husband and her two boys. They live in a place called Bethlehem, Judah. If you're a student of the Bible, Bethlehem means house of bread. Judah means praise. So in type, it's a picture of what the church ought to be, a place of fresh bread, a place of praise. There's a sad story the way it says there was a famine in the land of Bethlehem, Judah, which we can never afford the luxury of having a famine in church. There's always got to be fresh bread. There's always got to be faith and praise. Always. Because if we don't have that environment, people are going to make stupid choices. This is a guy that decided, I'm going to leave Bethlehem, Judah, and I'm going to go to Moab. Again, if you're a student of the Bible, you'll go back to a story of Abraham and Lot. Lot was in Sodom. Even to this day, the word Sodom carries with it a very horrible connotation. They got out of Sodom, but didn't completely get Sodom out of their family. Ruth, or rather... Lot's wife, uh, we're, we're told to remember her, not because of her beauty, not because of her education, not for anything else that she did, except according to the word, somewhere, somewhere, even to this day, out in that arid, desert, rocky land, there's what's probably just a bump, but at one time it used to be a man's wife. Lot's, remember Lot's wife, because she looked back. Brother John talked about it. Bible says if you put your hand to the plow and look back, you're not fit for the kingdom. It's not just talking about if you get baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. I, I believe after these 21 days of fasting and prayer, we're in a new place in God right now. You can't look back. You can't go back. You've got to throw away your rear view mirror, and you've got to be what Paul said. Uh, this one thing I do, I'm forgetting, I'm forgetting yesterday, I'm forgetting those things that are behind and I'm pressing toward the mark of the, of the high calling. I, I don't have time to talk about it, but, but in the Bible, there are, there are symbols, and there's high symbols. There, there, there's, the, the Bible said the Lord is high, and then it said he's lifted. 
So that's, he's high all by himself. But apparently you and I have the ability to exalt his name into another level that, 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 that won't happen just him by himself. And there's callings and there's high callings. And, and he said, that's what I'm after. The high, you just, you just there's 360 degrees in a compass and, and, and 359 of them are wrong. You, there's one, you've got to sit. David said, my heart is fixed, oh God. That's what he said. It's, it's, it's like a, a pendulum on a clock. It goes to the left, but then it stops, and it comes back. It goes to the right, it stops. That, that's why, listen to what Paul said. He said, I finished the course. He didn't say, I kept the course. He said, I finished the course. Because I think, and all of us, we're going to be doing like this. We'll be a little weaker, a too strong, you know, little liberal, probably too much self-righteousness. Just, but there's a divine center that's bringing us back all the time. The, 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 when they went to the moon, uh, Armstrong said they were on track less than 10% of the time. He said they had to make mid-flight corrections. Uh, they have three words, pitch, roll, and yaw. And it's just left to right and up and down, front and back. And that's the way your walk with God's going to be. You're going to, prayer will, will bump you back to that divine center so that you can say with David, my, my, my heart is fixed. My heart is fixed. I, yeah, I've, I've been a little too weak I, I, at time, but I came back. There have been other times I was too self-righteous, but I came back. There's a, there's a center. There's a, there's a life of moderation that he's asking us to live. And, 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 and it's very, 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 very critical. And, and you, you, you study Lot, who, who, who his wife's gone. He's in a, a cave with his two daughters. The Bible said... The, the, the daughters were full of despair. We're never going to get married. Uh, our life's over. And, and they, 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 they basically got their dad drunk. And one night after another, two nights, they, it's, it's horrible. It, they, 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 they were with their father. And both of them were with child. It's incest. I, can't, it's, 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 I feel dirty even saying that. But, but it's just, that's what happened. From that came two people, Ammon and Moab. And when you study the Old Testament, both of those people were a royal pain in the backside to Israel all through the Old Testament. And when, and when Naomi's husband said, I'm going to Moab, it's a big deal because Psalm said, Moab is my wash pot. And to go from Bethlehem, Judah, to where God does his dirty laundry, that's a bad, bad, bad thing to happen. And, and, and the two boys get married, and all of a sudden, Naomi's husband's dead. Her two sons are dead. Now we got three widows. And Naomi said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back. Thank God you can go back to Bethlehem, Judah. Thank God you're going to see people this year come stumbling back and staggering into the church. Wrap your arms around them and love on them and say, Oh my God, it's so good to see you. I miss you. <laughs> wow. Oh man. When the day comes that those restrictions are lifted and those precious saints in Windsor are able to, we're going to have a special day just for them and just to honor them and say, Man, is it good to see you, Leonard. Sister Aileen, Chris, Sasa. Boy, your little girl's so big now. Lois and Nathan and Carissa and on and on I can go. It's just, that's the way it, that's the way it is, you know, that that father, seeing that prodigal a long way off, ran and wrapped his clothes around him and put them shoes on him. Put that, just, I, I don't want you, I, don't, I, I want you to be welcome. When you come back here, because the, 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 there's that spirit of the elder brother that can get aware of you, Ben. Anyway, we, we while you were running around, we were no, 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 no. You don't have. There are people that are going to make it at the midnight hour. There are people going to do it at ride, just ride, ride under them, and I don't care. I, I want every one of them we can get our hands on. Oh Jesus, it's very. It's very personal to me because these are the words my wife quoted to me on the day I married her. Entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Thy people will be my people. And 
your God is going to be my God. Look at the typology. However you die, I'm going to die the same way. Wherever you get buried, I'm going to get buried the same way. It's a great picture of someone that had never been to Bethlehem Judah and said, I don't know them people, but you do. I'm going, I'm going back to church with you. Uh, and that church that I don't know, but you do, they're, they're now going to be my kin. They're now going to be my family. And, and, and the gospel's death, burial, and resurrection. And, and you die, I die. You get buried, I'm going to get baptized just exactly the way you did. There's a, there's a great there's a great renovation going on here but I love this when she said your God is going to be my God this is exactly what happened to Naaman because when he realized leprosy was gone he said I realize now there's only one God and that God lives in Israel and it was a revelation that came to him and when you have a a revelation there's a there's a there's a there's a an effect from that cause. There's a, it's, it's, it's dominoes. It's when you have revelation, there's a spirit of remuneration that, that comes on you. I want to do something. And he tells that, pro, I, I want to give you something because I'm healed. And he said, no, that's not necessary. He said, okay, if you won't, if, if you won't take anything from me, can I take something from you? And he said, well, what what do you want? He said, uh, I, I, want, I, I want to get these two donkeys over here. And I want to get as much dirt as these two donkeys can hold. I want two mules burdens of earth. I want to take it back home with me. It, it's, it's one of the strangest requests I've ever heard in the Bible. <laughs> and it followed this thing where he said, I want to do something. There's a great scripture in the book of Corinthians where Paul said, I will very gladly spend and be spent. (laughs) We met Brother Carson this week. My precious daddy. My my mom was gone. I was with daddy alone a couple weeks ago, and he was feeling depressed. And he started to cry, and he said, boy, I I wish I could have done more for God in my life. I said, well, Daddy, you might have done more than you've given yourself credit for. And he said, what do you mean? I said, do you know that you gave Calvary Tabernacle a brand-new pastor this week? And he said, what are you talking about? I said, you remember John and Marlena Carson back in Clinton, Illinois, Daddy? You and mom invested so much time and effort in, into that, that family. Yeah. Do you remember that little blonde-haired boy named Josh? Yeah, yeah, I remember him. I say, he's not a little boy anymore, Daddy. He's over 40 years old. He's got four kids of his own. And this week, they voted Josh Carson in to Calvary Tabernacle, Brother Urshan's old church. His eyes lit up. He said, Josh? that little blonde-haired kid? I said, yeah, Daddy. I, I said, if it wasn't for your effort and Mom's, would his family have even been in the church? And that boy was born after they came with you. And I, I, it's just fun to live long enough to see stories like that, you know. And, 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 and he, Brother Carson, he talked to us about, I'm living in the menorah. And I, I, didn't, I had no idea what he was talking about. But, but, but the menorah is, is the candlestick in, in, that was in the tabernacle of Moses. And we look at those people in the Old Testament like they're uneducated and, and a bunch of knuckle-dragging Neanderthals. And, and they, they, they could barely walk upright sometimes. But the Bible said they were men of renown. It said there was great wisdom. These, these people were brilliant. I, 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 I remember being in Central America at, at, one, of these, at one of these Mayan tombs and these Mayan temples. I, I, I took a dollar bill out, and I, I, could not, I could not get a dollar bill between these stones that weigh tons. They weigh tons. And apparently these people didn't have metal tools, and, and they still haven't figured out how in the world did they do that. And it says, these were not stupid people. And in the Bible, they're called cunning artificers. 
There's a guy named Bezalel and another guy named Aholiab. They, they, they don't have a CNC machine. They don't have micrometers. They don't have any of the, 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 the tolerance things that we have today in working with metal. But these people built a candlestick out of gold and, and were able to wrap it in such a way to create tubes. So there were seven tubes. And, 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 and the Bible talks about these knops and these pedals and, and how you could pour oil into just one of those openings. And, and, and it, it had a way of, of filling up the whole thing. And Brother Carson made a great point talking to our staff. He said, he said when, when, when one thing's lit over here, it's burning on the other side as well. He said, so you don't ever want to be a church that just one department's on fire. It's supposed to be everybody's lighted up at the same time because you're full of oil. And he said, I'm trying to live in a menorah. And, 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 and he said, because there's two things you can learn from the menorah. There's oil, which is a great picture of the Spirit of the Lord. And, and there's this, this, this candle, this structure of this candlestick. And he, and he said, we, we need the Holy Ghost, but we need more than Holy Ghost. We need structure. And, and, and we've, we've committed at the beginning of next year, we're going to launch a campaign to build a new temple out in that grass. And uh, I just want you to understand something. I, 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 most of you weren't here when we built this building, and I've told you stories about it again and again, but they're my stories. And, and I saw Jack Hill at the first service and gray hair, and he's not walking real, real fast, and neither am I. And the few of us that are still left here when we built it, I, I got to thinking it was kind of like the Jubilee. Jubilee happened once every 50 years, and, and, and maybe, just maybe for a few, you, you got to experience Jubilee twice in a lifetime. And that's the same way I look at what we're about to do. It's just most of you have never, ever had the privilege to be able to build a church, to build a, a temple, a, a cathedral for, 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 for the king. And, and, and it's going to be one of the most important things you you do in your lifetime. And I'm going to ask you for 36 months, 36 months, 36 months, 156 weeks that we have got to be focused. There's got to be structure. And so for the next year, we're going to work hard because we got a lot of work to do. And Brent Campbell will be the one that will be over this, 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 this effort to, to, to have a, a capital campaign to raise the money to build a new church. It'll cost five or six million bucks. And I'm confident that we can raise that money and not have indebtedness. I, I really, I really do. I really, I really believe that. And, and, and we're going to be coming to you. I don't want you to just sit down and, and say, hmm, if I did this, if I don't do that, what we're going to be coming to you is prayer. I want you to go to prayer, and I want to see what number God lays on your heart. And you go, oh, I was going to give this, but I went to prayer. It's like, whoa, I promise you God's number is going to be bigger than your number. But here's the deal. People that don't give always say, I can't afford it. But the people that do always have these amazing stories about what God did. And you're about to have stories that you never thought possible. We are about to enter something that is going to be absolutely, it's going to raise the level of your faith to a place that you have never, ever been before. Because to spend, I think, means money. But he said, I am not just ready to spend, I am ready to be spent. And what he's saying is, I'm not just talking about money, I'm talking about myself. I'm coming after your money in a couple months. But I want you to understand something. Before we deal with money, we got to be willing to give us, us, the Bible said, and when they came to where the young child lay, and they presented their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, they departed into their own country another way. But it says something very specific. It says, and when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary's mother and fell down and worshipped. 
And then they gave their gifts, gold, frankincense. So before they, 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 they spent, amen, they were willing to give them, before they gave their treasure, before they gave their money, before they gave their gold, their frankincense, their myrrh, they fell down and worshiped. That's the key to this whole thing. The Lord wants us before he wants our gifts. He wants us before we give our money. A lot of people think, I've given my money, therefore God really likes It's more than that. There's We've got to be an understanding. I am ready to spend and be spent. It's the same concept. And, and, and it's just, Naaman said, okay, I want two bags of earth. And I, I've wondered for so long, why? Why? Did you ever feel anything in your spirit and you didn't have any Bible for it, but you knew you were supposed to do this? And then later on, you found a Bible verse that explained why you did what you did and, and what you were doing. I, I've had that experience so many times through the years that, that you've got something inside that you can't verbalize, but, but you do it simply by faith, not by sight. And then later on, you go, oh, now I understand what was going on. I found, listen to this verse. It's in Exodus 20 and verse 24. An altar of earth. Thou shalt make unto me, and thou shalt sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. In all places where I record my name, I will come unto thee, and I will bless thee. Because when I read these verses in the book of Kings, this is what Naaman said. My, thy servant will never offer a burnt offering or a sacrifice unto other gods. I don't know if he understood the Torah. I don't know if he understood or had even ever read what it says in the book of Exodus 20 and 24. But his spirit is in the right place. Because what he's saying is, I, I, I'm in Samaria right now, but I got to go back to Syria. And, and, and I'll tell you what I want. I'm going to take me four bags of dirt. And when I get back there, I'm going to dump that earth out on the ground and I'm going to make me an altar. And I'm never going to offer a sacrifice to another God but Jehovah for the rest of my life. Because he had the understanding that I know now who the true God is. Did you ever read the story of Abraham and Isaac? Isaac said to his dad, we've got the wood, we got the knife, we have the fire, but we... We don't, we don't have a sacrifice. And his daddy, by prophecy, said, the Lord will provide himself a sacrifice. It's wonderful the way that it's worded there. But, but I always wondered, what, what in the world did he mean? We got the fire. We got the fire. And if you read the story of Abraham getting that thing ready to offer his son, it said he took the fire in his hand. And that was, that was so curious to me. It's like, wait a minute. You, you, you don't have kitchen matches back then. You, you don't have Bic lighters, Zippo lighters. Tom Bodette, not going to leave the light on for you here. What, what, what was it? And I found it. As they, they, they always had a fire in the hearth at home. And they would take coals from the fire at home, put it in the shallow bowl, and slide a lid. They've, they've excavated thousands of these in this part of the country. But there was, there, they had a ceramic dish and it had a lid that swung back on top of it and these holes drilled in it. It would let in just enough air to, to keep the coal smoldering, but they wouldn't combust and burn up into just ash. So whenever you, you, you didn't know where you were going to stay that night, but you needed fire for, for, for heat and, and to cook something, and they would, they would bring fire from home. Hey, they brought their, hey, to too many people, ladies and gentlemen, the church service is their salvation. They, they, they come to church dry and dead and, and exhausted, and I, I'm, I'm fine with that if you don't know God. But here's, here's what we got to do. We got to be willing to pack up some of this dirt that's in this place here. You got to take it back home with you now. You got it. It can't. It can't just be what goes on in the four walls or the six walls of this sanctuary. It's got to be. We got to get God out of this box right here, right now, and we've got to get the fire in your house. We we we, we got to get in your house. You 
You, you don't need a praise team to have a move of God, but you do need an altar. You don't need fancy green benches and, and hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of audio-visual equipment to have a... But you do need an altar. There is a power in an altar that exists nowhere else. Amen. We have just finished 21 days of prayer and fast. Tomorrow is day number 22. What are you going to do now? Are you going back to that person from December the 31st? Are you going back to that other man and that other woman from 2020? Or has something happened to you in the last three weeks? Have you gained some ground in the spirit that you say, I'm not relinquishing what I've gained. I'm not going to abandon the spiritual real estate that I have acquired. I'm not saying we've arrived, but we're not where we were three weeks ago. And I want you to make a provision and a covenant with me in your heart. Yeah, we're here today. Yeah, we'll be here tomorrow night. But this thing's got to get in your house. It's got to get in your house. The Bible said if you bring an abomination into your house, your whole house is an abomination. Achan got in trouble for what he did in his tent, not in the tabernacle. He hid that stuff in his tent. I'm asking you, in your personal life, what goes on outside of these walls? You've got to be able to say, dear God, I want to take this back home with me. I want to have Samaria in Syria. I want to have a move of the Holy Ghost. I want to feel God when I pray for my kids when they got a fever. You don't have time. Sometimes you can't get a hold of me. It's two in the morning. Call the pastor. No, daddy, get out of that bed. Get you some oil. I don't care if it's Crisco. I don't care if it's olive oil. I don't care. Find something and anoint that little boy with oil and say, dear Jesus, I need you to heal my boy. I need you to heal. I need you to touch my girl. Do you have that in your house? We need an altar. We need an altar. We need an altar. It's not just here. Stand with me. Stand with me. Some of you got children. Amen. Amen. It's going to be your, they're not praying. It's your prayers. It's your prayers that are going to spare your kids. I learned a terrible lesson not too long ago that if God couldn't get to me or to Renee, or if rather if the enemy couldn't get to me or Renee, he tried to get to me through my kids. And I got one precious girl named Ashley. She's here today. She, she, she's, I think she's on the blue team. But today was not the blue team. It was the yellow team. But guess what? Ashley's in yellow. I mean real yellow. You're not going to mistake Ashley Hoppin. She's in real. And I said, are you serving today? No, Dad. I just wanted to be dressed in yellow to show my support for the yellow team. You know, my, my girl, her whole world is church. Her whole world is church. It didn't start yesterday. It started Friday. Now, Daddy, what time do you want me, me, me to be ready on Sunday morning? Because I know you're going to go to the first service and the second service. And I'm telling you, for ever since we moved into the other house, we've been in motels, God knows everywhere else for the last three months. But ever since we moved into our own house, my daughter greets me when I get out of bed at 7 o'clock on Sunday morning, already dressed, already ready. She can't wait to get to church. She can't wait to get to prayer meeting. She can't wait to go to the life group. She can't wait to go to you service. Everything is church, 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 church. I got another girl that doesn't live in my house and I got to do my best to make sure. <laughs> I got to do my best to make sure, amen, that I'm still influencing and impacting. <laughs> when we started fasting and praying, my cousin Russell was in a wheelchair had a horrible heart, heart situation. I don't know if it was an attack or a stroke. He was confined to a wheelchair. And one day I prayed for him on this live stream thing. He called my mom and my mom said, Russell, did you hear Harold pray for you? No, Ann Esther, I didn't, but I, I'll find it. He went back and listened to it. And while he's listening to it, power of God came on him. He stood up out of the wheelchair. He walked down through the halls of his house. His daughter was amazed. His wife was stunned. And he said, I'm completely healed. I'll play you his testimony in just a little. He sent it to me. But yesterday, amen, one of my cousins who, who called my mom and said, Aunt Esther, I need a church. Aunt Esther, I need... 
That's happened just in our family. While we started fasting and praying, I saw my cousin get out of a wheelchair. I got another cousin that's all the way in West Virginia, long ways away. But I'm telling you, the same God that's watching us pray is watching where them people are right now that you can impact, that you cannot bodily or physically go there, but you can go there and pray. And I know some of you are frustrated and say, my God, what am I going to do? And that's why I'm, I'm, I'm doing my best. I'm telling you, when you come to pray, it's like a safe cracker. You, you, they stick their ear up there. They go, waiting for them tumblers to fall. When you come to pray, don't just go, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. But you come to prayer and you say, dear God, would you please give me the combination to be able to know who do I need to pray for today? Where do I need to go in prayer? Because I didn't even know it. I was going to Ohio in prayer. I was going to West Virginia in prayer. My mom was going with me. Didn't you? you oh man, it, it, it would stun you if you knew the journeys that you are making in prayer. That you're putting angels, camping angels around people that are fearing the Lord. Oh! The biggest thing in the tabernacle of Moses was the altar. It wasn't the labor. It wasn't this golden censer. It wasn't the showbread. No, the biggest thing, you walked in that outer court and there was that giant box in front of you because the biggest thing in the tabernacle of Moses was the altar and I don't care how long you live the biggest thing in our life has always got to be an altar it's got to be the most prominent thing it's got <coughs> come with me around this holding come on come worshiping come praising come praising I want you to make a consecration with me. This is going to be the best year of prayer that I'm going to be more consistent in prayer this year than I've ever been before. I'm going to be more consistent with my prayer life than I've... When we were in Georgia, I had a... An amazing man named Billy Cole. I, I always called him a prophet. He would, he, would, he would never call himself that. And he's walking through that house we had in Georgia. And I wonder, what in the world is he doing? And he went through the bedrooms and he went in the, through the living room. Finally, he stopped over there and he said, that, that's, that's your spot right there. And he walked into another room and he said, that's, that's Renee's spot. I said, Brother Cole, what are you talking about? He said, I've been walking through your house, son, to see if you pray. He said, because I knew if you prayed, somewhere there were going to be two places in this house where you prayed and your wife prayed. He said, am I wrong? And I said, no, sir. You're, you're exactly right. Because that's where I prayed in that house. And that's where Renee prayed in that house. My friend Jerry Dean told me years ago, Harold, you need a time and you need a place. You need a place to pray and you need a time that you go to that place again and again and again. I'm asking you to join with me to not let these three weeks be a fluke. Don't let them just be a flash in the pan and you're going to go back to the same carnal, prayerless person you were before this year ever began. But we've gained our ground and I'm telling you, the enemy is shaking in his boots right now because when we make the connection about how powerful it is to have an altar in our lives, we're building a building for generations. We don't know their names. We don't know their faith. We, 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 we don't have their, their email address. We're building it for generations yet yet unborn. Three weeks ago, a precious young, a young family, very young family, wanted to have a meeting with me in my office. And being the great man of faith that I was, I thought, oh boy, they're going to tell me they're getting transferred and they're going to have to go. Great faith that I have, you know. And we're in my office. And that man said, I don't want to take up a lot of your time, Pastor. And I thought, oh boy, here it comes. And he just reaches into his diaper bag, wife's diaper bag. He said, my wife and I want you to have this. He said, we want to be the very first ones to give an offering for the new building because our babies are going to be raised in that church house. And we want to be the very first ones to get the ball rolling. You'd be amazed what's already happened just in this past week of people that say, I'm in, I'm on board. It's, it's incredible what's going on right now. God is fixing to do an amazing miracle in this church family, and he's going to use us. I always loved the fact that Michigan was a hand, you know, and, 
Am I so crazy to believe that God could use this church family and put his hand on this country? Amen. And let it leak down into Illinois and Indiana and Ohio, Kentucky, down to North Carolina, South Carolina, go down there into Florida and Alabama and Mississippi and Louisiana. Is it crazy to believe that God could use us and people could say, hey, they did it in Michigan. We can do it. That God could use us as a pilot program and use us as an example to other churches and say, wow, look at that, look at that. I want you to stretch, stretch, stretch. This prophet, they had a dead boy. You read it. I didn't have time to read it to you today. He had a, he, he prayed for a family and this woman had a baby and the baby was working in the field, little boy working in the field with his daddy. He said, daddy, my head hurts. Next thing they knew, they took him to the house and he was dead. And they caught the prophet. And the Bible said, when he came into that room, he stretched himself. And I'm going, wait a minute, you, you're, you're, you're five foot ten, you know. You got a little boy here. Huh? But it, it's telling us something, something deeper than that. We're going to have to stretch, folks. We're gonna, if we're going to see the miraculous, we're going to have to stretch. But I got good news for you. We're already stretching. <laughs> we're already praying. Amen, man. I said it this morning, I'll say it right now. If God comes right now, I'm ready. I'll live with you. My, I'm as clean as I've ever been. My mind, my spirit, I'm ready. Old Brother Neto, he grabbed me. He said, you're not the only one ready to go. I'm ready to go too. And it was just like, <laughs> what, 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 how, what's, how much is that worth to have that peace in your spirit and that hope in your heart? <laughs> Lift your hands. Let's pray and praise right now. Oh, Jesus. I'm in, Lord. I'm in. I'm ready to spend and be spent. Lord Jesus, I make a covenant with my brothers and sisters right now. Amen. You're not going to have to cajole me. You're not going to have to convince me. You're not going to have to tease and tempt me. I want you to know right now, Lord, I'm jumping in all the way up to my neck. I'm not waiting. I'm not waiting to get to the ankles and the knees. I'm going right out to where it's almost up to my head. I want the current to take us where it wants to go, Lord. There's a river. There's a river. There's a river that's coming out of the house of God, Lord. And I want to get to a place to where less of me is seen and you are exalted. Oh, Jesus. Father, for people that we don't have names for, there are people in this room right now that are on the edge. Right now, Lord, are trying. they're in the valley of decision. Is it going to be yes or no? Am I coming or I'm not? Am I coming back or am I going to stay away? I'm asking you, Lord, right now, let there be a tipping point moment in this altar service right now where all of a sudden no turns into yes. Maybe turns into right now. Amen. To where I can't make up my mind to where I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm asking you, Lord, right now to let that confidence and that assurance and that commitment to be in our spirit right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you've never been baptized in the name of the Lord, why tarriest thou now? Rise. Wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. If you've never been filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you can have that right now. Amen. We'll pray for the sick tomorrow night at prayer meeting. Amen. You've got somebody sick, bring them. We'll anoint with oil. We're going to have a great... This prayer meeting is taking on a life of its own. It's literally becoming our third service. Amen. Something amazing is going on. I don't... I, I suppose it's happening somewhere else. I don't know. I just know what's going on here. And I love your commitment. And I love your energy. And I love your kind And your unity and your harmony. Because we're not going to be able to pull this off without perfect unity. Perfect, absolute unity. To where anybody even says anything that's got doubt. Say, no, 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 no. We're not talking like that right around here. We're going to believe with all of our heart. And we're going to see this thing happen. Amen. If it's, if it's, if it, if it's whatever. If it's right, maybe you lay your hand on somebody right now. Amen. Or just, I don't want to cross any barriers. And, and uh, I just, I don't want to dismiss this service. If you're right on the edge of having a miracle and I shut this thing down too soon. 
I, I, I don't want to do, I want to be very cognizant and aware of just what's going on here right now in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. We've got young people in this room right now. They, they're going to have to make a decision. Amen. You're going to serve God with, with, with commitment, consecration, cleanliness, holiness. You're going to do that? Or you're going to be, you're going to be carnal. Amen. We have older singles right now. You're in a valley of decision. You're not married yet, but you're not high school anymore. Amen. You're adult all in your own right. Amen. We've got to have a strong group of older singles right now. Amen. Young married couples. Amen. Elders. From no hair to gray hair. From the womb to the tomb. From the infant all the way to infinite. I'm asking you right now. Amen. Make Make the decision in your heart. I'm going to serve God. And I'm going to make sure the altar is not just in the church house. I'm going to make sure this is not the only place I pray. I'm going to make sure this is not the only place I can feel God. I'm taking an altar with me. Amen. Because church is not where you are, but it's who you are. In Jesus' name. That God can anoint your prayer between the beans and the potatoes at the grocery store. God can anoint you at the other side of the gas pump. God can anoint you. Amen. Amen. Just in your daily meanderings and you're working through this community. Amen. We've got young people, people wearing shirts. Could I pray for you? Could I pray for you? You'd be amazed at the testimonies we're already hearing. Amen. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Sing us a song, young'uns. Before we go, sing us a song. Amen. <laughs>